At Southbank Broadbeach Cullen Bay, as Aussies wake to meet the day, they tune their dial to Macca. Uh, Colin Bordock here from Epping, just on the outskirts of Melbourne. I can hear a tractor, Colin. I'm a farm sitter with my wife, and we've retired and doing farm sitting, and we're looking after a 600-acre property, which is the last farm in captivity on outer Melbourne, I think, and we're surrounded by suburbia. We've retired to Adelaide, and we use this as a travel mechanism to go around and look after farms for people. This day and age, Macca, a lot of properties now don't have extra people on the farm as workers. A lot of stuff now is done by contract and on uh, owner-operator farms with no... uh, no support so if they want to get away for a holiday they've got to call in somebody like ourselves and sort of look after the port for them while they go away for a bit of a break which they all well and truly need at times. And it's interesting isn't it to see the last remaining sort of farm that's sort of being encroached by suburbia it's happening happening in all the big cities a shame in lots of ways the best arable land in the country. Absolutely Macca I mean it's just you know it's happening in around Adelaide now the Adelaide Plains it's just been new suburb of Playford that's gone out onto the Adelaide Plains which was the best veggie-growing country in the whole of South Australia, and it's just disappearing under tar and cement, and it's just a crime, really. Picks me up when I feel down. I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Ooh, it's cold this morning for Nancy's chooks. They're walking dogs, they're writing books as Trevor stacks his bottles by the roadside. On you, Trev. Penturak, T.I., Tumbarumba, At The Lodge and Yarralumla. They might be listening to Macca on a Sunday morning. My week starts with Macca on a Sunday morning. And there's a new o- occupant, isn't there, of... Uh... Yarra Lumla, uh, and wish him good luck too. Good morning and welcome to the program, wherever you are around Australia. We've had people up and about and doing things all over the world. A bit cool uh, in parts of Australia, but uh, depends where you are, of course, up in Darwin. Uh, we <laughs> uh, John Perlinski, his uh, email says, Dear Macca, I've listened to your program for years, always enjoy it. Recently I've had cause to take a bat to the local wildlife hospital, Kenyana. The patient is a small bat known as Gould's Wattle Bat that has taken up residence in my abode, which is a transportable located in the Jarrah Forest in the Perth Eastern Hills. The little flyer knows its way around the house and comes and goes via the ceiling cavity in eaves. Yesterday morning I donned my large old jacket as temperatures up here in the clouds, all above 300 metres, can be cool at this time of the year. As I zipped up the garment, I noticed a darkish shape on the left sleeve. The bat, it wouldn't relinquish its hold on the old jacket and to me seemed ill. The staff at Kanyana suggested that the bat may have entered a form of hibernation or torpor, but didn't want, did want to check it out. I was also informed that all bats, at least in this country, can carry lysivirus, lysivirus and that the hospitalised bat can only be released by an inoculated and qualified bat specialist back to its home areas and so all being well I can expect a visit from the bat specialist in the not too distant future. I've already been labelled as a Batman, as I Im- imagine my old and battered falcon, falcon, falcon will become a Batmobile. Well, one can always dream, says John P. The ghoul's wattle bat. I don't know the ghoul's wattle bat. Um, don't know many, but um, there you go. Uh, from Anne, you know, our marathon runner, Anne, who rang last week, she was in the Gold Coast Marathon. Um, and uh, she rang us. And she was quarter way through it. But she says, 
Uh, thanks for talking to me last week. Gave me a great lift talking to you as well. Worth the effort conquering the technology glitches, possible heavy shower inundated at the start of the Gold Coast Marathon on the high buildings, but I'm glad I persevered. Um, amazing how little achievements against the odds become major victories. Couldn't, while the, couldn't wipe the smile off my face after our little chat. It was a really happy race. At 10Ks, I settled into my most comfortable marathon pace. Now, this is a girl who's 73, and she's running like 42Ks for a marathon. Uh, her next one I think she's going to do is the Melbourne Marathon, and she trains every Sunday morning, or every morning really. She does cycles, five-minute cycles, in which I run for three minutes and walk for two. After some lovely social encounters, often laced with humour, with other runners and supporters among the spectators, I finished in, in a... In a time of five minutes and five hours and forty six minutes, a slow time but good enough to earn me a podium in my age division and as the first three Australians home this year's australian masters f uh, seventy to seventy four age group good on you Anne. Uh, you you're an inspiration good day this is macca good day macca this is Trevor from Adelaide but I'm in Cusco Peru <laughs> good day Trevor what are you doing in Cusco Peru? Well, I'm here, I'm a, I'm a Rotarian, I live in Adelaide, but I belong to the only Rotary Club, and um, I've come over here to uh, write a report about a project that we've had going in the uh, mountains, deep in the mountains beyond Cusco, where a tiny isolated communities live, and they don't have very many facilities, um, and the project is to train the local women, Indigenous women, as uh, community healthcare workers, so that they can look after their community. Well, that's a great great thing to do, Trevor. Yeah, it's been a bit of a passion of mine. This is my seventh journey to Peru. Um, and uh, uh, one of the other things that happened last week was that I managed to be able to uh, get raise enough money to give another community a, 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 a bus for their school. Um, this is a community called Kisvarani. And the children have to, work to walk to school two or three hours each day at uh, over 3,500 metres up to nearly 4,000 metres above sea level. And the bus will cut their two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour journey walking to 40 minutes. So that bus was handed over, will be handed over on Monday, I hope, to them. Gee, that's a big difference to your life, isn't it? What's about four hours a day you've saved? Oh, absolutely. And there's no incentive for an eight-year-old child, for example, to walk three hours to school every day and home again. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> no. Well, yeah. You, so hit... the other... Go on. Oh, well, the other, and the other major project is the Rotary Foundation project, and that's um, a global grant to, uh, as I said, train Indigenous women as their local healthcare workers. Um, they each, uh, there's 12 in the program now, and they all get uh, over 200 hours of um, uh, training in, in medical health, so they become a sort of pseudo district nurse to their small community. These communities are deep in the mountains, um, some some uh, up to five hours away from Cusco where I am, and uh, they don't have very much. Um, they eat mainly um, potatoes and meat for their uh, diets, and so part of the project also is to um, uh, grow, um, build uh, hothouses with the plastic covering over a dwelling to uh, so that they can grow vegetables uh, at a higher altitude. And another part of the project is to um, 
uh, provide sex education for young developing girls when they start their, their menstrual cycle cycles and provide them with um, re, uh, disposable, um, sorry, washable sanitary pads. And it's called Days for Girls, that part of the project. And the fourth part is to place um, uh, water filters in homes because whilst they have a lot of water here, it's, it's polluted by the animals. So we've been putting water filters into the tiny homes. So Cusco is a fairly, um, fairly, what's the word? Basic sort of place. Uh, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of wealth with the locals. Oh no, Cusco is quite a, quite a uh, centre for tourism here. Cusco is a city of five hundred odd thousand people, and um, at any one time, there's well over a hundred thousand tourists in, in Cusco because they come to see Machu Picchu and mm. the Sacred Valley, and uh, then go south to uh, Lake Titicaca. Uh, so it's a, it's a wealthy place in terms of uh, of of the business side of the world, uh, business business side of the people here. But the indigenous people uh, who live in the mountains don't have anything at all. Some of them don't have electricity. They don't have any heating. Um, they don't have running water to their houses as well. So whatever you, I can do through my club, that's the Rotary Club of Unling in Adelaide, then it's been a benefit. It's a bit of a drop in the ocean for what some of the places in the world need, but. Yeah, Trevor, how did you, I mean, there's lots of need around the world. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket, really, as you say. There's so much need all around the world. You can, there'd be thousands and thousands of Cuscos and, uh, you know, the people in the hills are all around the world, wouldn't they? How did you get onto this? Why did, how did uh, Cusco come up in your, uh, in your um, bailiwick, Trevor? Well, um, in 2008, uh, my wife and I uh, volunteered to come to Peru and then from then on, we saw the need, and and, and I've been here. This is, I'm on my own now, um, and uh, I've come three times on my own to undertake projects here. I don't live in the mountains where the people live. I, it's too harsh for, for for me to live there, so I resort to a small boutique hotel in in Cusco. Um, but uh, I go up into the mountains every every time I need to, or if, maybe once or twice a week to see how the projects are going. Uh huh. Can you pick Thanks, us? Maka. Can you pick us up there in Cusco? Yeah, I've been listening to you. I'm streaming uh, ABC Sydney. I've been listening to you for the last hour and a half. You little champion! There you go, listening all over. Good on you, mate. Good Thanks. on you. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, this is Jan. Hello, and Jan. I'm in Yarraville. Ah, uh, Jan, what are you doing? I just come over the Westgate Bridge into Yarraville. I've been up in the hills delivering a baby and I've just um, listened to your beautiful music and feeling happy <laughs> about what I do and what you play. That's really nice. Jen, you do this uh, regularly, obviously. You're a midwife. Yep, I'm 70. I've done it for 40 years. Yep. Wow, wow. And, uh, yeah, so uh, you've got no um, guarantee about times. You don't work nine to five. You work any time, I suppose. When the baby's ready to come, it's ready to, yes... Yeah, and it's it's usually the night time, and often Sunday morning I listen to you. And it's always cheerful, and I'm always cheerful, so that's nice. Isn't that nice? You live in Yarraville, do you? Or? I live in Yarraville, yes. I live in Yarraville, and I've been up in Belgrave tonight for a baby. Uh-huh. bit cool this morning. Oh, it's beautiful. There was a nice fire at the house, and <laughs> mum and baby and dad are all warm and tucked up, and beautiful, clear night. So you always deliver babies at home, uh- Jen? Uh, sometimes I go to hospital, but um, I do about a third of the deliveries I do at, at home, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and that is that more common now, or what's the story? I think it is more common. The hospitals are funding um, home births now, but I'm in private practice. I see. Um, yeah. So um, if you if everything's going well, you stay home and have a baby, and if it's not, you go up to our hospitals. Yeah, and I'm I'm here in the morning, and I'm always thinking about people what they're doing because people up and about. Some people aren't; they're still asleep, as I always say. Um, when people don't ring, but people are up and about doing things like you yep. and, and on the road and truckies are just starting to wake up about 5 or 4.30 in the morning and they have a brew or something and off they go and, yeah, whatever. People are just out and off and doing things. And really happy about it and, and a great excuse to um, have a sleep in the daytime. I'll say, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best, Jan. But I love listening to you, Mac. I've listened to you for years. First time I rung in. That's very nice, Jan. Good on you. I'll talk to you sometime. I'll see you sometime, hopefully, in Yarraville. Okay. All right. Good on you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ian's in Swansea. What a nice place to be. Good morning, Ian. Good day, Maka. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. We live in paradise, but it, we could do with a, a little bit of rain. Really? Uh, it's as dry as a chip. We haven't had rain for six months. Uh, uh-huh. people, people get... Um, they get wrong about Tasmania. It's wet on the west coast and as dry as uh, Alice Springs on the east coast. There you uh, go. Particularly the southeast. Uh, uh, Swansea's about halfway up the east coast, as you know. And uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, we, we even our natives are trying to die. Our native trees are trying to die at this stage. Really? There you go. Not good. Not good. No, we were in, look, I haven't been to Swansea since the G'day Tour, which was about 2010, I think, or 9 or 10, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think we were away around Australia in the van that when you were here, and that we missed you, but uh, uh, since then we've, we've sold the van, we're getting on, and uh, we've had a bad year, because when you get to our age, you don't have many friends or uh, uh, people your age left, you know, we, well, you, <laughs> you're lucky to survive, but... It also has its drawbacks. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, you've just got to try and make new friends, Ian, I reckon. That's the deal. Well, we do. We still, um, we've decided we've had a bad few months, so we're getting away for a month, and that's why I rang, really, because uh, I heard you were having a dance at Cooter Barabran, and I love that part of the of Australia, and so we decided we'd get on the boat. We're on the boat next Sunday, and I wanted to plan our trip, so we spent a night there when the dance was on. Yeah, that's at the town hall on um, uh, Friday, next Friday week. Is it Friday? Yeah, yeah Friday right. the twenty yeah. fifth. Uh, don't hold me to it. Twenty sixth. Yeah, I think. no, that's right. Yep, no, that that's exactly right. I, so I, you're coming? Yeah, too right. That's oh. why we, we we're driving north for seven or eight days, spending three weeks, and driving south again. Well, so, the locals uh, the locals will love to see you, mate. Well, I don't know who's who's going to come, but um, yeah, the locals will love to see you. I'll introduce you. Come and say good. I'll int- I'll give you a special intro so people come. <laughs> People can come and pester you all night. Uh, oh, well, we've booked a night at a pub there, and we're spending a night at Turrawina because that's where we've stayed in the van, and it's a lovely little spot. Place of uh, many brown snakes, Turrawina. Uh, is it? Never that's saw what, one there, but we no, had a wonderful time. That's, that's what, Tura, that's what uh, Turrawina okay. means. Is that what it means, is it? Okay, yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. It's probably a while ago. There's probably not many brown snakes there now, but who knows? No, it's a few years since we were there, but it'll, it's always one of those things in our memory bank, you know, it's, uh, Great little spot. Yeah, uh, we're overcome with the uh, with the history of the uh, the airport there, um, and uh, uh, it, it's the home of uh, the great Australian pioneer of flying. And uh, we we spent a bit of time there. Mm. At Turrawina, 
yeah. The pioneer yeah. being Butler. Butler. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Butler Airways. Yeah, wonderful story. Yeah, it is. I'll say. I'll say. Yeah, All right. Well, well, we'll see you in Coonabarabran and uh, Friday week, Friday fortnight. Okay, look forward. All right, Ian. Good on you, mate. Send some rain there, don't we? Yeah. That bloke at Byron Bay is telling me they're getting rain all the time. We could get a bit more down here. It'd be great. Yeah, I'll say. Good on you, Ian. <laughs> Thank you. See bye. You, bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hello, oh, Macca. Yeah, I can hear footsteps. Yeah, my apologies. It's Anthony from Melbourne. I'm taking the dog for a run. <laughs> of course, as you do, Anthony. Well, she doesn't know weekends from weekdays, so no, exactly. at, uh, at 10 to 6, she's up and ready to go. Exactly. So, uh, I'm always amazed how people, when you, get, when you walk a dog on the weekend, there's many more people out than during the week, because I suppose, I suppose a lot of dogs miss out during the week. They only get to walk on the weekend because their owners have got time, but during the week, um, there's a lot less dogs out there. I, that's just, look, it's only anecdotal evidence, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you, I'm with you. We, uh, I have to take my dog for a walk because if I don't, she'll destroy the house when I'm at work. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's our game we play. My, I don't know if it's my vet, but a vet I spoke to once said um, a dog can run 25Ks easy. That's, uh, they can do that in a day. They, they love it. They lap it up, especially if you've got a Kelpie or something like that. You just, yeah. They, they, you know, and you think you've walked a kilometre or two or three and you've done a good job. They can, they can go forever. Exactly. Uh, she'll uh, she'll run with me for about 14 kilometres. We'll get home and I'll be exhausted and she'll be ready to go again. Exactly. Now, what's it like? Uh, whereabouts in Melbourne are you this morning, Anthony? I'm just running past my Iceberger mates, which uh, swim at the end of Dendy Street down in Brighton. And we run uh, we run Hampton up and down that, that little stretch. Yeah, well, Hampton, you, Brighton, uh, St Kilda. What's the dog's name? Uh, Daisy. Well, look, you should tether Daisy and then just go for a quick dip. Oh, Macca, I used to swim with the guys, and uh, and I froze my ears off by about the end of May, and uh, the heart couldn't take it anymore. I'm, I'd say I'm still young, early 40s, but <laughs> it hit you, and wow, the shock is intense. Oh, I know, and the temperature, it's 10 degrees. I think uh, my mate Robbie Robertson told me the other day, it's about 10 degrees, and I'll probably get down to about 8. I think, uh, I say it's bad for my carbon footprint. I go for a swim uh, for 10, 15 minutes, and I spend an hour and a half in the shower trying to warm up. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just cut out the middleman and the gas, the gas bill. You need one of those. What are those? Those silver. They when you've got hypothermia, they wrap you in one of those. Those silver. The silver blanket. Blanket. Yeah. The, yeah. the rescue blanket. Yeah. I, uh, that'd be awkward to swim in, but uh, I'll give it a go next time. I'll look like I'm going to a volcano. <laughs> so how long do you walk for, Anthony? Uh, we'll go for maybe an hour, hour and twenty, and then I'll get home and uh, and I'll drag the kids out. And, we'll the, do- and the dog will, and the dog, of course, will be satisfied then. Oh well, we'll see. We'll see. She's she's bound of energy. She's what sort of dog? Eight, she's a little English Staffy. She's eighteen months old, and uh, and just yeah, just an absolute joy. Full, of, full of beans. Full of beans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, full of beans. All yep, right, Anthony. Fun. Well, um, yes. Um, enjoy. Uh, nice to talk to you this morning, Anthony. We'll see you in Melbourne later this year. We'll come down and do a program somewhere. Well, I can't wait. We uh, I speak. I've been listening to you since I drove around Australia with my buddy on a surf trip in two thousand. And I, I spoke to you on the way back from a trip. I took the family around for six months, about or oh, five years ago. Wow. We called, called you on the way home from, I think we were Daily Waters. But uh, we just love you. You do a great job. Uh, Anthony, I love the listeners. That's why I, I still do it here. It's, uh, it's always nice, especially early in the morning. 
and people are out doing all sorts of stuff, going for a surf or taking the kids skiing or going to baseball, you know, competition or, um, yeah, just uh, ringing up to gloat in Townsville, ringing up to gloat. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Except they don't feel the seasons. They don't get the joy of when it gets warm again. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know what it's like to you know, have a house that's cold as an ice block. Yeah, Exactly right. You wake up with the uh, dew on the top of your bed, uh, bed blanket in the, in the morning, the frost. <laughs> Good on you, Anthony. Good luck. Thanks, Mac. Have give, a great weekend. G- give Daisy a pat. I sure will. Good See you, anyway. See you Bye-bye. Bye. My guest in the studio waiting patiently here, his name is Don Don Wilson. I've talked to Don. How long ago, Don? Was it oh, five? About five years ago, I think, Maca. Five, yeah. five years yeah. ago. And what, what did I talk to you about five years ago? Uh, that was Bush Care's Major Day Out. That's right. And uh, you did a great job for us. We were inundated with phone calls, mm. uh, at least with people looking at our website. And mm. um, uh, everybody listening today, feel free to try and beat that record. I think we had about 500, so we're looking for 1,000 at least today. And uh, there's plenty of you out there. So uh, get on your, uh, your, your computer and look up our website. What's it called, Bush? Uh, the webs no, that was the that was the last that one. That was then. Now it's called now, Get Fitter uh, with Litter. Get Fitter with Litter dot org. What's, what, what's yeah. that about? Yeah, well, what that was about. I got a, a, a first. First of all, I think. ABC listeners uh, would be, all be pretty much aware of uh, the immense problem that plastic is, is uh, costing us, mm-hmm. that uh, you know about the, um, uh, the garbage patch in the South Pacific, which is uh, bigger than Queensland, mm-hmm. which is just a massive lot of, uh, uh, of plastic. And the same thing applies to every sea and ocean in the world. Yep. I have very good friend uh, Vaughan Wellington and Vaughan Funds. Vaughan. Another Vaughan, yeah. yeah, two on the one program. Yeah. That's, is that a record? <laughs> I think it is. You go on. Yeah, um, yes. Vaughan Wellington uh, runs Funds and Skippers, the uh, research uh, vessel Viking, and he spends nine months of the year on the sea. He's been to every sea and ocean in the world. And he said the plastic problem is the same wherever you go, and it's on on uh, beautiful pristine islands. The beaches are covered in it, and wherever you go, there's plastic. And what's what's the form of plastic? It, see, I think plastic bags have got a bad rap. I yep. think the what what's the worst plastic is all the bottles of of liquid detergent and everything. Everything's in plastic. Everything, yes. almost every yes. bottle, even uh, used to buy, um, you know, soft drinks or whatever. Um, yes. In glass, but That's now right. now they're all yes. in plastic. Yes. You know, soda water, you know, anything. It's all mostly in plastic. Yes. And and when I talk to Clean Up Australia people, the majority of the plastic they pick up is is those sort of things, hard hard plastic in yes. bottles and stuff like that. That's right. So I'm not saying that plastic bags no. aren't a problem, but no. the big problem is because it's thick plastic too. It's yes, big, it is. Thick yes. plastic and yeah. And uh, yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, Ian. Cause get fitter you, you, with litter. Yep. Get fitter with litter. You can go into any any uh, any retail store and you see plastic all over the place. So mm. just as you say, just banning shopping bags in plastic uh, is a bit of a help, but it certainly doesn't solve the problem. No. Uh, it, it should be all banned completely because we've already wiped out a hundred species of uh, of seabirds uh, with, with eating plastics and and taking it home, feeding it to their chicks. It's terrible. Anyone that's watched um, Craig Rewcastle's program uh, would know all that. That's uh, it is really a massive program. So, 
get fitter with litter. What's the get fitter story? Uh, well, look, how old are you, Don? Uh, I'll be. I'll turn ninety next year. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm currently 88. My birthday's September. I'll turn 90 next year. Well, what's the fitter thing? Are you Have you started recently getting fitter or walking? Or what's yeah, your I've, I've gone back to getting fitter. When I was young, I played a bit of sport and mm. uh, I did a bit of boxing. And my dad was a champion boxer. And, um, what was his is, name? Uh, Alec Wilson. Yeah. Alec Wilson. Uh, he fought mostly around the um, uh, the Western District and um, he was a lightweight and he used to fight welterweights most of the time. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was so fast you couldn't hit him with a dish of peas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, like most boys, I grew up thinking I was going to be like my dad and uh, I would have been too. I only, I only had two, uh, uh, two problems is that I, I couldn't move quick enough and I couldn't punch hard enough. Other, other than that, I was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're only a slight bloke yourself. Was yeah. your dad much bigger than you? No. No, he was uh, a bit, a little bit smaller than me. Wow. Yeah, but a most impressive man. Yeah. yeah. And boxing was part of the whole. Look at look at the Sands boys, the Aboriginal yeah. boxers. Yeah. They were. Yeah. They were wonderfully gifted, uh, and, yeah. and everybody loved to box, didn't they, in those they days? They did. Well, that was the only place you could go to a gym. Mm. Even when I was uh, young, and I trained with the Sands Brothers. Oh, I, did you? I, I, yeah, I boxed with them. I went in the ring and boxed with them. But I'll tell you what, though, Ian, I made sure I didn't hit them too hard. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, Dave and Les. Yeah, and yeah. And they were all. They could all fight. Yeah, yeah, they could. Yeah, there were six of them. So anyway, getting back to your fitness. What? So you used to be fit, and then what? You let yourself go for a while, did you? Uh, well, I got into uh, sedentary jobs and so forth, and uh, I put on weight and all that. And uh, uh, then, um, oh, about three years ago, my wife Marianne um, went in and um, uh, to a uh, personal trainer. And uh, uh, and she was looking pretty fit, so I thought, gee, I better go along too, and I won't be able to keep up with her. So I, I went along to the, uh, the personal trainer, and uh, uh, just twice a week, half an hour twice a week, and uh, it made an immense difference. Uh, I, when I was putting out um, indoor plants in order to uh, to water them, uh, I was finding them very heavy, and I, I said to Marianne, "I probably will only be able to do this for another year or two, and I won't be able to do it anymore." And then, after about six months at the gym, it's no trouble at all. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Now, this uh, get fitter with litter, and you've got an initiative called Adopt a Street and Keep It Neat. Now, you're in Sydney. Yes. Um, but this could go Australia-wide, couldn't it? Because, Absolutely. I mean, lit is a problem everywhere. It is, yes. Tell us about Adopt a Street and Keep It Neat. Yep. Well, one of the things I've thought about is that uh, most people, when they look at this, if they're either aware of this plastic problem or they're not aware of it, one of the two, and they don't care about it. But uh, it's going to overwhelm us in, in all sorts of ways. It's now uh, getting into our food chain. Uh, there was something I read the other day, and I haven't checked it out, the how true it is, but I think it is because they gave plenty of uh, people to check with, is uh, that there we are now, every person is consuming 25,000 pieces of, uh, of microplastic a year. It's in everything. It's in it's in uh, makeup and uh, all kinds of stuff, and it's even in water. And if you're drinking your water out of a bottle, uh, then uh, a plastic bottle, then you'll get you're consuming more than twenty five thousand. I I saw that research. Um, 
that research was done in, in England. It still applies to Australia, but probably they said there's probably not quite so much plastic in water in, in Australia as there was because I think it was an, yes. Engli- right. an English survey, I think, yes. an English research. So yes. they said it's probably not that bad in Australia as, no, right. as, as in England. But, um, right. but uh, yeah, I, yep. it's yep. a problem. And let us, I'll tell you a story. Years ago here, and I've been here a little while, um, a lady rang one morning or emailed and said, Ian, um, duddly duddly dum, hello, and... Um, by the way, she said, when I walk around in the morning, she said, I take a little plastic bag with me, and I, I think it was a single-use plastic bag. I think I hope somebody warned her about using it twice, more than once. But uh, <laughs> she picked up bits and pieces and yes. put it in the bin. Yes. And I thought, well, geez, if you've got nothing to do. And then, and now I find myself doing that all the time. Yes. When I walk up to the street, yes. I see stuff, you know, lolly wrappers and stuff, and so I just... I don't yes. know what it is. There's something wrong with me, but I pick it up and... There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just... Yes. Uh, what was her name? I think her name was... Was it Bailey? It might have been Kate. I'm not sure. Kate Bailey. I'm not sure. But she said she picked it up, and so that's what I do now when I yes. walk up. I take the dog for a walk. Yes. And, of course, pick up his doings. Oh, dear, I hate that. Um, and But uh, there's rubbish and yep. wrappers and bottles, and Good I just pick you. them up and put them that's in That's great. Well, it's, yeah. I yeah. just think there must be something wrong with me because... You Far know, from it. People throw stuff. I can't believe that yeah. they just do that. Don't it's they? amazing, and sometimes in the what gets me at the bus seat, you'll get seat waiting for the bus. You'll get a a, a garbage bin two meters away, and they'll leave a, a coffee cup on the on the seat. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But getting back to the people that do want to do something about it, and there's plenty of them. I've talked recently to lots of people that want to do something, but the uh, they're a bit overwhelmed by the problem, and they think, well, what can I do about it? You, can, you, can, do you can do lots about it. Yeah. So what you can do, what we're doing, and what why we've introduced this is that I thought, well, if you ask people to do a few hours a week, that's pretty hard to get them to do. But all we're asking them to do with Adopt a Street is to adopt just one street, and with that one street, keep commit yourself to and send the details into us, but commit yourself to uh, keeping that street free of plastic and other litter. And if if we get a massive amount of people all doing that, just imagine, we'll have no litter at all because if we we can overwhelm this with numbers. If people want to get in touch with you, Don, it's getfitterwithlitter.org. That's right. That's right, Ian. Yeah. Get, get in touch with Don, getfitterwithlitter.org. I think it's a great idea. Adopt a street and keep it neat and keep up the good work. Um, and, yeah, we'll, I might, and, and we'll send you one of these bags. I'll get fitter with litter. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah. I, I think I'll get fitter too. I'll have to get fitter um, and start. Uh, what did you do to get fitter quickly? Just go walking or something, did you? Ah. The best thing, the best way of all is to go and get a personal trainer. <laughs> no, it is because right. they'll tailor exercises to you. Yeah. And uh, my trainer, Jason, he he looks, I can't tell you anymore, <laughs> but but uh, Jason really specialises too in older people. So he'll get someone that's almost uh, right. uh, bedridden and, and get them back on their feet. Don Wilson's been my guest this morning. It's getfitterwithlitter.org. Wherever you are in Australia, you can get in touch with it. Good on you, Don. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Ian. Lovely to come in. Oh, g'day, Ian. It's uh, John Oliver calling from uh, Wellington, South Australia, on the River Murray. How Hi. are you? Yeah, good, thanks, John. Yeah, just a little uh, anecdote you might like to be interested in to do with the uh, landing 
on the moon mm. uh, back in 69. Um, at that time, a mate and I were uh, part of 6th Battalion uh, Royal Australian Regiment in uh, um, Nui Dat, um, Vietnam, and uh, we just had a couple of days leave and uh, been down to Vung Tau and he'd bought a little transistor radio at the PX store or a reasonably sized radio and uh, could we get stuff uh, duty free so he thought he was pretty smart anyway went back to uh, Nui Dat and the American Americans of course had a radio station which was our only real contact with uh, the outside world and uh, anyway we heard this uh, story about the guys going to land on the moon and so when the time come we uh, we were still in in Nui Dat and uh, uh, getting ready to do an operation so uh, we went outside out of our little hoochie and uh, sat under a, um, a rubber tree because we were situated in a rubber plantation and uh, listened to the story uh, as they landed on the on the moon. But uh, just sitting under the under the night sky in in uh, Vietnam. So and people did that all over the world. And you were yeah you were, as you said you were in Nui Dat and and it's amazing, isn't it, that people all over the world were sitting and watching those three blokes, or certainly one bloke, Armstrong, but, yeah, watching yeah. that take place, and almost surreal. You couldn't believe it, really, could you? you... No, but it was, for us it was good because it was a sort of uh, a contact with the real world and, uh, uh, you know, a bit of reality, uh, although it was hard to believe at that stage what what was happening, and, uh, and then these guys were out there still uh, striving to create history. And, uh, no, it was just... I just thought you might like to to hear what a couple of blokes, uh, a couple of Aussie blokes, were doing. Um, there you go. Yeah, How so, long were you in uh, Vietnam for, John? Yeah, uh, twelve months with with battalion, sixth battalion. Um, mm. At that stage, we were a couple of nashos got called up together, got separated, and then uh, ended up back together. So we were we were part of quite proud to be part of sixth battalion and uh, um, spent about eighteen months with that before time come up to. Uh, get out or discharge from the army so uh, how do you look back on that time yes yeah, it's, it, it's interesting you you ask that question because at times like this um memory you know is a good good happy memory um and you ha- uh, sometimes some of the memories aren't all that flash but uh here i am 71 now and uh, still uh, still got my health and family and feeling quite happy uh about that type of thing um yet, uh, for Vietnam veterans these days, with a lot of veterans long, that long last with uh, subsequent uh, wars, there's good uh, help out there. Uh, the help's good, but you've also got to be prepared to help yourself. And uh, like anything in life, you've got to uh, be prepared to put the arms in to uh, make it all worthwhile. But no, uh, it was a, it was an experience in my life that I, I had no regrets in getting called up. I thought I was doing the right thing by my country when I returned. Had some interesting times uh, with uh, protesters and so forth, but uh, yeah, we've got over that and uh, have lived hopefully so far a fulfilling life. So, uh, oh you know. yeah, I I wonder what um, you know if people realise the debt that they owe to people who go and serve. I look at the young blokes in America who go off, who went off to Iraq and Afghanistan, and the um, Australians who do that, and and all the wars, and you know, and air forces mm-hmm. and navies and stuff. The the debt that we owe to those people. I mean, I think it's we we don't really appreciate that nearly as much as we probably should. Many people do, but many others don't. Don't well, you even. Know, in my case, uh, I got out of the army on. The, it's funny how you remember these things. Out of the army on the second second of October, I got married on the seventeenth of October. I have no regrets about that. Although I think my wife might at times. 
Um, and then um, two weeks later, I was back where I was employed before the army, uh, before getting called up. And the first thing they said to me, it wasn't, oh, welcome back, John. It was, uh, oh, what are you doing here? We thought you'd left. Um, and that was, uh, you know, typical of a lot of the stories. And just hearing the guy talking about cine photography, that this is a little thing, till reminds you of one guy I knew. He was a, a, a camera operator in a, in a theatre in Adelaide, one of the big, big uh, picture theatres. And when Bill went back after his two years doing, serving for his country, he went to get, you know, because we were entitled to our jobs back, uh, the, the theatre company said, oh, sorry, your, your job's no longer here. We sold that camera. <laughs> now, that was... And blokes believed that. And then when, you can imagine walking out the front door thinking, well, you know, mm. thanks very much. But that sort of thing happened to a lot of guys yeah. who we didn't... We, the support wasn't there then. They couldn't do it now. But no. that's what happened. But, um, but you had to, work, had to work through that. And blokes are still fighting for... for proper recognition they're happy exactly. to go with people when they uh, have their photos taken politicians when they go but when they come back that's a different story but however good on um, you Johnny I, I think good, it's a good program so uh, I hope I'm not rambling too much but uh, not <laughs> very often to... I uh, get on the phone but anyway all the best Macca and good thanks, on you. thanks for talking it's Cheers. a pleasure good on you Johnny bye mate bye listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.